Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of NBA DFS Today. I am your host Keith Cork and this is a tournament edition of our show. We are going to walk you through the first actual bracket games of the tournament. Two games only on this site. So it's going to be a nice little uh, walk through this one. We're not going to rush it. We're going to take our time. Let's get through each of these and see how we do. I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Except for all, you know, all that group play BS is done. You know, no one really, there's no tangible thing there. Now we have a bracket. We know how this works. I know, call us dumb Americans or whatever you want to call us because I know, you know, football, uh, soccer does this group play and all that kind of stuff. But it's just not as exciting. Now, now we have the actual matchups. These are the brackets. These are the people who are playing. And uh, now I can get down with it. Now, now I'm going to go ahead and, and, and cheer for people. Uh, Boston Celtics are playing the Indiana Pacers. And that's going to be our first game of, of just two tomorrow. It's currently on DraftKings a five-point spread in favor of the Celtics. I've seen it 4.5 some places and even 5.5 in some places. So um, I would have to assume it's moving in the Celtics' favor. Because this is a tournament game. With a Boston Celtics squad that is probably, that has to have, um, championship aspirations. And they're going to be superior in a game that is going to be slowed down a bit. If it's an actual tournament, if this is going to come out and be like an actual playoff game, right? That's what we typically see in playoff games, is that the pace is slowed as teams are, you know, not wanting to make mistakes. Not that you can't have moments of the game where you're playing free and, and having fast breaks and all and all that good stuff. It's not like that. It's not that crazy. But uh, in general, a little bit slower here, and that would favor the Celtics, I would think. In the half court, um, you know, defense is ratcheted up. Uh, you know, I, I even I know they don't they don't have Kristaps Porzingis here, but I would have to think that they're favored. Two two forty one is the game total on that game as well, and I would tilt to the under. Um, the other game here on the slate is Pelicans Kings. That's two thirty-five for that game total, just to kind of give you a comparison there. So there's not a huge disparity uh, between these two games, and I don't think there should be. I think both of these games have some nice pieces in them, and I'm not really looking to stack one or the other. A two-game slate that is one thing you can do to try to win is you can just stack one game and hope that it goes into overtime, or that the other game is a blowout and uh, all the stars and whatever sit in that one. And if that is the case, then you might win some money. But I'm going to operate as if they're both going to be competitive games. I would hope they would be. And um, on paper, they should be. So I'm going to try to go to get to some guys, though, on here that uh, aren't necessarily going to be rostered everywhere. Because that's the really tricky thing on a two-game slate is trying to find plays uh, you know, that aren't that not everybody is playing. Everybody's playing the same guys, and if that's the case, you know, great. If we do win, we all win ten cents. <laughs> but if we uh, go a little different and our, you know, guys go off, and, and the rest of the field, ninety percent of the field has the same guys, and those guys don't, that's when you win the big money. So have that mindset, especially on these very small slates. So let's go ahead and let's go team by team here. Boston and Indiana, Indiana. 
Um, let's talk about Boston. Obviously, like I said, Kristaps Porzingis is out in this one. And, uh, but there's still, I mean, this is a really nice game for the, to just stack some Celtics. And I, I'd be willing to stack several of these guys. And my dummy lineup here I've got made. I've got three Celtics here. Um, Indian, Indiana does not play good defense. They just don't. They like to push the pace, which leads to mistakes and fast breaks going the other way. Indiana is a powerful offense. But the Celtics are a very good defense. I still like guys on both sides of this, though, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not even going to talk about Tatum and Brown. If you want to have either of those guys in your lineup, um, I definitely support that. I think those are probably... Hmm, I wouldn't say they're my favorite spend-ups in the entire sleep, but they're pr- they're pretty safe. I don't see a problem with going to either of those guys. They should be able to produce just fine. Uh, it's a tournament game, so they should be looking at, you know, guaranteed 40 minutes, 38 to 40 minutes, as long as they're healthy. 36 maybe, but they should be looking at a lot of minutes. But people that I do like on this roster that may be not as highly owned, I do like me some Drew Holiday at 6900 Um, That price point is just attractive to me. I know he doesn't necessarily have the most refined offensive game on the squad here. But we've seen Drew Holiday absolutely go off before, even with his fellow stars, you know, healthy. If his shot's falling and, um, you know, he's able to get a few steals, able to get out maybe six, seven, eight assists. He does have a 47.5 point and a 48.25 DK point game on the season. So that would be probably the ceiling here at 6,900. And again, I'm looking at the ownership piece of this, and I just think that people will think of him as a boring play, which he is. He's not necessarily the most exciting play. He doesn't always go boom. He doesn't often go boom. It is a rare thing for him to go boom. But when he does, uh, it's nice. And if we have that and everyone doesn't, then it's good for us. So I do like some Drew Holiday at 6,900. The other guy I've got a lot of, you know, I'm really high on here is L Horford at 6,200. I've been playing him nonstop since KP's been down and it's been the right call. He is getting massive minutes and he's putting up very nice stat lines. Um, 38.5 DK points, 46.75 DK points, 35.25 DK points, all in the last three games. Um, you know, does he have a game here and there where he disappears? Yeah, but I think, you know, given the fact that KP is going to be out, it's going to be a game against, um, you know, probably you're going to get some Obi Toppin out there. You're going to get Miles Turner out there. It's just... It's a game where you're gonna want you're you're gonna want some Al Horford playing well for you, so they're gonna need him uh, to play well. So that's what I want is guys that you know, hey, we need this guy to play well uh, for us to be successful. So 6,200 for Al Horford is definitely that's like probably the only guy I'm looking at here that I'm like this is a lock. I would I would want him in every one of my lineups. Um, Peyton Pritchard's the other guy I'm looking at 4,200. Had a nice game against this team. Um, the Indiana team back in the 1st of November, that was in 26 minutes, of course. And, uh, you know, it was a 155 to 104 game. So, you know, absolutely blew up for points in that one. 
Um, he did end up with 34.5 DK points. I'm not looking for that, though. I'm looking for something more in line with what he's done the last couple of games, just 23 and 23.75 DK points in 23 minutes. Those are nice. That's that's fine numbers. Uh, I think that's an, a reasonable expectation here. With the shortened rotations that they're going to you know play, I look back at the last couple of games that the Celtics played in the in-season tournament. They played the Bulls. Um, I think that was last Tuesday or, or Friday. I think it was Tuesday. Anyways, they played the Bulls, and uh, he played 23 minutes in that game. 11 points, 5 boards, 2 assists, 1 steal. Nice little line there. At 4200 is his price tag. I think that's decent. Um, they did beat the Bulls pretty handily, but it was close enough that, you know, people got generally the minutes they were supposed to get. You know, Horford ended up with only 28, so he played, probably played a few less. Derek White only had 29, so, you know, maybe a few less minutes for those starters, but uh, in general, this is pretty accurate with what we should see in a shortened rotation for this team. Um, then the last, the other game I looked at was uh, the one before that against the Magic, and the guys coming off the bench were Luke, uh, Luke Cornett, Sam Hauser, and Pete Pritchard. 25 minutes for Cornett, 25 for Hauser, and 13 for Pritchard. So uh, Pritchard only got 13 minutes in that one, and that is obviously a little worrisome there. But they were losing this game. They lost it pretty handily here, uh, 96 to 113. And uh, despite that, you know, they, they were still playing their starters a whole lot of minutes. So, you know, I, I think that the, with the Pacers... First of all, you probably get more tired playing against Spacers than you do against the Magic. So, you know, hopefully that plays into, um, you know, the rotation's a little bit tighter even. There's less people in here. Like like O'Shea Brissett got five minutes in this game against the Magic for some reason. Um, I don't know why. Uh, KP was there also. So if Christos Rosinius was healthy, so that's another big reason that uh, Pritchard's minutes were a little bit held in check. It should be a few more minutes there. I'm not concerned, too concerned, overly concerned about it. Uh, I'm ending myself as I talk there. I'm not overly concerned about it, though. That's a good good way to put it. Um, I think we're going to look at least 20 minutes for Peyton Pritchard here. And if he's playing well, he could get a few more. So I do like some Peyton Pritchard at 4,200. He's probably the cheapest guy I'm looking at uh, on this slate. Indiana. Let's go ahead and switch over to them. And, you know, again, this is an interesting team. They like to push the pace. They score a whole heck of a lot of points. They have a very efficient offense. Tyrese Halliburton, yeah. I think he's probably a good pivot play. I don't think a lot of people are going to own him because people don't like to play stars against Boston. Uh, and, of course, you've got Drew Holiday going across the way at him. So I do think it's a risky play. But that's what you do in GPPs. You take risks. So I'm okay with it. Absolutely. Um, Miles Turner at 7,000. Uh, again, it's doesn't seem like the best play in the world to me on paper, but he's a very talented player, and 7,000 is probably too cheap um, for the ceiling that he provides. We would be looking for a ceiling game, though. One of those, you know, 50-point or so DK point explosions. Um, and I don't think that's likely against this Boston Celtics squad. I just don't see that happening. But it's possible. No, it's not impossible, that's for sure. If I spend 7,000 on him and he ends up with, you know, 32 DK points or something like that, I mean, there's other guys you can spend less salary on by like 1,000 and get that same that same number. So I'm not super high on Miles Turner, but I get it if you want to go there, absolutely. 
Buddy Heald's an interesting guy at 6,500. Also not a guy I necessarily landed on, but he is a guy that can score the heck out of the basketball. And then another guy that's interesting as well because of the, that very reason being able to score the basketball is Benedict Matherin, who's definitely a riskier play at 4,700. I'd rather go with a Peyton Pritchard at 4,200 and get my little 25 DK points or whatever he's going to give me. But Matherin does have that ability to go off for, you know, like a 40 DK point game, um, which is insanity. He had a 49.25 DK point game on the 9th of November against Milwaukee and a 43.75 DK point against the Utah Jazz. Celtics are a better defensive team than those two teams, but when a scorer is scoring in the NBA, the way the rules are, I mean, there's not much you can do to stop them. You know, if he gets hot... Um, look for a big line there. So so I'm interested in all those guys a little bit to some extent. Um, none of them really made it onto my dummy roster here. They're a little bit like a tier below what I would consider a very solid play. But they're not bad at all. I think they're they're obviously people that you have to have on your radar. Uh, but the guys I ended up on were, first of all, Obi Toppin at 5,200. I mean, you know, since Jalen Smith's gone down, that's opened up some additional minutes for Toppin. He's been playing 30 plus uh, 33 minutes and 35 minutes in the last two games. That should stick. Now, he's been shooting absolutely incredibly from three and from the field in those two games. So, uh, you know, let's pretend like instead of shooting 87.5% and 66.7%, he shoots something more reasonable, like a 45 to 48%. You know, you're knocking that down now from a 39.5 DK point night to maybe something more like a, uh, I don't know, 25, 26 DK point night. Right. And that's kind of where the floor is, which is still fine. I mean, at 5,200, yeah, I just told you, you know, 30 DK points is just about what you're expecting from a miles Turner at 7,000. So at 5,200 getting like a solid 24, 25 DK points out of an Obi top isn't going to sink you. It's going to, it should be fine. I don't know necessarily if he's going to be uh, a guy that gives you an edge in ownership. I think a lot of people will probably be on him because they're just going to look at those last two games where he went off a little bit, but still, I think he's a decent play. Um, if I'm going to swap anybody out of what I've created here. Uh, and the other nice thing about Toppin, though, let me just say real quick, is he qualifies at center for whatever reason. I mean, I guess because he's playing for Jalen Smith minutes, and so he's playing basically the backup center. Um, that's a really nice thing. So you don't have to worry about the center position if you don't want to. Obviously, Al Horford's going to be a mall lineup, so I really don't need to worry about that. But it is nice to have uh, have that option at the center, center position. The other guy is a guy I've been kind of touting for the last two weeks basically on this show and that's Aaron Neesmith not really going away from my guys these are all my guys and I'm sticking with them um, you know really good game in the last one seven of nine from the field obviously again we can't count on that um, he shot over 50% in four straight games so of course in this one he's probably going to go one for ten but I do love him I think he's probably going to be the the next guy I'd lock in next to Al Horford um, just because of his price point and what he brings to the table um, you know, even in his worst, his bad days, he had 25 minutes against Portland and only put up 16.25 DK points. I mean, 4,300, that's just, that's not going to sink you. So, um, I find him as a very minimal risk player with a very nice ceiling. I mean, he had almost 40 DK points since Cleveland on October 28th. And he really just needs his, his jump shot to fall. Now, the, the Pacers are going to need some jump shooting. 
if they're going to want to beat this Celtic squad, they're going to have to take some threes. They're going to have to make some threes. And if that does happen, then uh, Neesmith's going to be one of those guys that goes off. I mean, he shot six three-pointers in the last game. Um, you know, he's got a couple of five three-pointer games. He's got a couple of six ones. He's got nine back in that Cleveland game I was talking about where he got almost 40 DK points. So hopefully we see something more like that. Um, but even so, even if he's only shooting, you know, four or five three-pointers and he's nailed two or three of them, that's still good. And we'll take it. And he'll give us, you know, 24 or something DK points, which is fine at 4,300. Um, and that is everybody on the Pacers that I'm looking at. And so that's Boston Celtics, uh, Indiana Pacers. Let's move on to the Pelicans and the Kings. Before I do, though, I just want to let you guys know, um, information does come, keep continuing to come out for these teams. Uh, obviously with the Indiana Pacers, we do have Halliburton questionable with an illness, an upper respiratory illness looks like, and Toppin is also questionable, who I mentioned. I'm playing here with an ankle sprain. I expect both those guys to suit up and play through. It doesn't seem like they're, um, you know, trending out or, or looking bad right now. I mean, it's an in-season tournament game. It's the first one ever in the history. I, I think that means something, especially to a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. So, uh, you know, I expect these guys to suit up. Uh, maybe they're not 100%, but, you know, we're going to treat them as if they're effectively 100%. So. Um, but what I was going to mention with that is, uh, you know, if you guys don't have the, the sports ethos DFS pass sportsethos.com is where you go pick that up and I'll walk you through stuff as you know, new injury news comes out, things shift, lineup shift, we get new information, things do shift up until lock. We don't end up with the same players we're touting right now, obviously, um, that'd be asinine and stupid. If you want to play this game, you have to be available up until lock. Uh, and looking at your lineups and, and swapping people in and out. So, uh, five dollars a month for that DFS pass, sportsethos.com. Go snag it. Pelicans at Kings. Uh, we gave you the total, but just again, it's 235 on DraftKings, four point spread in favor of the Kings. Uh, on DraftKings, at least, it might be different elsewhere. I haven't really looked at this line as closely because I don't feel strongly about this line. I think this could go either way. Uh, I think four points is pretty fair between these two teams. So um, this, the total did surprise me a little bit. I do think it's probably going to go over 235. So I think it'll be even closer to the other game, which I find pretty accurate uh, at 241. Of course, you know, this is, you can't, it's impossible to tell with accuracy what a game's going to end at and, and what exactly is going to happen. There's so many moving pieces. So, uh, you know, maybe the Celtics and Pacers end up at, 202 and the you know pelicans and kings end up at 255 i mean it's it's possible um so you know grain of salt with all these things but it's fairly accurate you know trust in vegas they have a lot more complicated tools than you or i will will ever have probably so okay let's talk about the pelicans and the kings though from a dfs perspective so starting with the pels uh, obviously, the big thing here is C.J. McCollum back in action. And, yeah, I want me some C.J. McCollum. I want to load up on him. Uh, probably my favorite guy to spend up on on this slate. Uh, I do think that this is a decent matchup for him going against, you know, uh, a De'Aaron Fox or Kevin Horter or whoever they, they decide to throw on him at any given possession. Uh, you know, and, of course, you know. They're swapping. I mean, they, people switch all the time on defense in the NBA. So, uh, talking about one player guarding another player, I mean, it's fine. 
But there's going to be plenty of positions where that player's not grading that player in an NBA game. And, and if that player is giving the other player a problem, uh, there's ways to get that player off of guarding your ball handler, right? You set screens, uh, brush screens, all, all that stuff, right? And we look for ways to, to take advantage of defense. So uh, all that to say, I am not worried who they throw at C.J. McCollum. I think he's going to have a decent game either way. And, uh, you know, price tags at 8000 Came back and he played 38 minutes in his first game back, which really surprised me because he had been out with a collapsed lung for multiple weeks. But uh, 40.75 DK points in that last one, 8 of 18 from the field. Didn't shoot terribly well, but didn't shoot it poorly either. Eight assists, which is re- always really nice. Uh, a couple of steals. I mean, he's been popping this season with really good lines, and... He's just been missing for a while, so I'm hoping people have forgotten about him. But uh, open the season at 6900 for his salary. He's climbed all the way up to 8000 now, but I do still like him here on a two-game slate. You know, you can't be super-duper picky, of course, and so I'm looking his way for sure. Um, Some other Pelicans I'm looking at, I mean, you know, Zion and B.I., yeah, sure. I, those are guys that you need to have considered, of course, for sure. Uh, I'm not super big at Jonas, honestly. I'd probably wind up with any of him. But I do like me some Herb Jones at 5,400. Um, you know, he's been having big games. And the only worry here is that he was doing this without C.G. McCollum. So with C.G. McCollum back, does that shift things around to the point where, you know, Herb Jones is not as impactful as he had been? Because he'd been stealing the basketball Dishing out assists, grabbing boards, scoring points. With McCollum back, I mean, the assists, he probably doesn't need to do as much. Um, and that's probably the biggest impact on his game. So, you know, in that, actually, as a matter of fact, in that game with McCollum back against the Spurs, he, only, he had zero assists. He had none. And he had 31 DK points because he shot 6 of 8 from the field. So, um, I have some concerns here. You know, I would much rather go with a uh, Trey Murphy at 5,100 right below him. I love this. I love Trey Murphy. I love Trey Murphy based on what the Pelicans need, which is people that are going to speak. Like, we saw what Jordan Hawkins did. You guys saw what Jordan Hawkins did. You guys are probably season-long players, fantasy players, or your DFS players that have been following, or you're just NBA fans. And you saw when Jordan Hawkins came in what his role was. And now imagine there's an actual... NBA player, and I'm not saying Jordan Hawkins isn't. Jordan Hawkins is fine. I think he's a, a nice young player, and he's going to have a long career in this league because he is a shooter. But Trey Murphy, um, very was very excited to see him. You know, start the season had an unfortunate injury in the off season, but came back and played 22 minutes in that first game back. Seven of 13 from the field, 53.8 percent field goal percentage. But yeah, um, 5100 is his price tag, and. You know, if you're talking about him or Herb Jones or other guys that are in that, you know, mid-5,000, you know, if we're talking, you know, stacking him up against the top, an Obi Toppin, I still think he stacks up against all those guys. So, I do like me some Trey Murphy. I think he's the next guy after uh, Horford, and I think I said Toppin. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Horford and Neesmith. That would be uh, kind of nearly locks. Like, I'm not just going to, like, lock people in on a two-game slate willy-nilly but um guys i feel strongly about and trey murphy would, would fit that mold as well at 5100 so i'm going to try to find ways to get him into my lineup as much as possible 
And then everyone else on this roster, you can pretty much safely ignore. Um, Dyson Daniels is going to head back to the bench. Jordan Hawkins is going to head back to the bench in a diminished role. Uh, they'll get in there and they'll play, and there's a possibility they could pop off, but their price tag at this point is so inflated from what they had been doing that um, I just don't think there's a reason to go to those guys. So, uh, all right, Sacramento Kings on the other side. Um, I do think any of these guys are viable as well with the, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, um, De'Aaron Fox. I like De'Aaron Fox here. Um, he's the guy I ended up with here in my dummy lineup where I just locked a guy in, and it was uh, it was De'Aaron Fox. But that's not to say that I feel super strongly about him in this matchup. I think just in general, when I'm just initially looking at this, that's the, the spend up that jumps off the, the page at me. So I have no other reason besides that, honestly. <laughs> so there you go. Take that for what it is. Um, Keegan Murray is back. So that makes everyone a little bit less less enticing, which is unfortunate because you know the Kevin Hoarder and Malik Monk. Um, I do like those guys. I wanna play those guys here, but at their price tags, I just I just don't know if it's gonna be worth it. I think if you end up having the extra cash to spend on them, then it makes sense. And I you know I've got no problem with doing that, of course. But. Um, I think there's. I just don't think they're the best options here on this slate. So you know, I'm not excited about this king side here. This is probably the side I'm least excited about. I didn't end up with any kings except for Deer and Fox in my my lineup here. So you know, kind of the big question mark on this slate here is is this team. So I'm gonna be digging in a little deeper as we get uh, closer here and sharing that with the people at the DFS pass and some insights that I'm finding here. But um, you know, I do think that. Malik Monk, Kevin Werder, and De'Aaron Fox would be the three guys I would generally look at the hardest here. Um, not into Sabonis because he does have to battle Jonas Valanciunas and Zion Williamson underneath. And that makes me a little uncomfortable at his price tag at 9900 I mean, I'd rather get the extra 200 and spend up on Jason Tatum, who has a much better matchup against a, a, a Pacers team that doesn't play a lot of defense. Or have, you know, really, I mean, they've got Miles Turner that they can throw on him, but they don't really have a lot of lengthy guys, um, you know, that they can throw at a guy like a Jason Tatum. So I just don't think for that price I want to go to him. I think in a GPP is probably a good pick because a lot of people are probably, I think he'll probably be the lowest owned of all the expensive guys because of his price tag. Because he is the second most, no, third, third most uh, expensive player on the slate. So. I do so that's that's where I would use them. But that's it, guys. That's your little two gamer there. Um, you know, that's been a, a tournament edition here of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS podcast. Please do leave me a review wherever you're listening. Please go check it out. Check me out at Ethos Keith on Twitter and go check out at Ethos DFS uh, as well on Twitter because that's where we post all of our shows. So until next time, guys, hey, go get that money.